So on this episode, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to do a little bit more of an improv kind of shooting from the hip type of episode. In the past, most of my episodes have been written out and they've almost been more of like an audio blog. And the reason I'm doing this one different is is for a couple reasons. One, this is a good skill for me to develop to be able to just talk about a topic off cuff and still make it interesting. And also, uh, hopefully it'll allow me to get more podcast episodes out quicker. So without having to really sit down and do a lot of research, because that takes a long time. So in the future, I'm going to have both types of episodes. I'm going to have episodes like this, where I just have a few notes and then just kind of talk about it. And then I'm also going to do ones where I write them out and do a little bit more research and put a little bit more thought into them. So hopefully you all like this episode and hopefully this works. So for this episode, I want to talk about beer and a conspiracy theory within a conspiracy within a conspiracy or a multi-leveled conspiracy theory. And so... This is ironic because I don't even really drink beer and I really don't even drink alcohol anymore. I I mean, I wouldn't consider myself sober. I have had drinks, but for the most part, I don't drink alcohol just because I don't necessarily like the way it makes me feel. And, you know, the hangovers, once as you get older, become worse and worse and worse. So, Ironically, alcohol is not my substance of choice, but uh, I want to talk about beer because I've been researching plant compounds to help stimulate testosterone production, and this has been fascinating stuff, and this is going to be a podcast episode onto itself, Um, and I'm I'm researching testosterone plant-producing compounds because testosterone is is a key hormone for for men in particular and it's been on a decline and so I'm going to get into that more and so trying to see if there are more natural ways to produce testosterone that's not requiring you to do testosterone replacement therapy which does work but has its own kind of negative consequences so so to kind of start this episode off so Back in 2005, I had just graduated college, and as a way to celebrate the uh, graduation of college, I decided to do a three-week backpacking trip through Europe, and I wanted to do this with absolutely no plan. It was going to be the adventure of a lifetime, and I, I read like one blog that said, hey, you should buy a ticket to Amsterdam, and then have a ticket uh, and fly out of Paris. So you fly in, into Amsterdam and fly out of Paris. And so I was like, boom, that's what I'm going to do. That was all the research I put into it. I had no idea where I was going to stay, had no idea where I was going to sleep. Um, you know, long story short, it was a great trip and it was a trip of a lifetime and things worked out very well. And so During this trip, I found myself at one point in Munich, Germany, and I was doing a beer hall tour. And so doing this, during this tour, 
we were obviously drinking a lot of beer and we were learning a lot about beer. And so we go to this old fashioned, beautiful, uh, beer hall in this underground cellar and it's packed people are drinking all kinds of beer and they start giving us a little bit of information about the german purity law of 1516 and so what this law is is this law limits german beer brewers to only use four ingredients malt hops yeast and water and so on the surface level, this purity law is good. And, and when I'd heard about this, I was, I, was, I was fascinated about it because, well, simple ingredients are good, right? And also, having these simple ingredients means that you're not going to have artificial aromas, colorants, stabilizers, enzymes, emulsifiers, or preservatives. So I thought, this was a good thing. And, and like I said, on, on one level, it is a good thing. And so I was kind of, I was fascinated with the German purity law and, and even kind of sad that only Germany, or at least what I thought only Germany was the one to enforce this. So anyway, fast forward now, I don't know how long it's been, 15 years since that trip. And, um, I come across, like I said, I was researching plant compounds. And so then I come across uh, certain plants that you should not ingest uh, to because they will hurt your testosterone production. And one of those is hops, right? And so if you remember from the German purity law, hops is one of the four ingredients you can use. And so... I'm realizing after doing a little bit of research that this purity law is one of those things where the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And so the reason hops are used is for both flavor and a preservative in making which makes beer more shelf stable. And you know, this is a good thing obviously, you know, beer you don't want it to spoil, you want it to be safe. And also one of the things I've realized is since this law has been put into place, nearly all beers contain hops. Even here in America, Canada, everywhere, it's almost impossible, I am learning, to find a beer that doesn't contain hops. And so as I mentioned, there is a problem with hops. So hops is one of the most powerful estrogenic plants on planet Earth. And hops contain a hormone called estradiol, which causes a significant reduction in testosterone levels. And so the conspiracy theorist in me realizes that this was probably no coincidence. See, kind of the first level of this conspiracy is this was done to pacify the people. Right, hops were chosen and made law not only to preserve beer but to pacify everybody, particularly men. And one of the fascinating things I learned is before this purity law was enacted, almost all beer never contained hops. So for thousands of years, the dominant form of beer was called 
gruit. I, I guess that's how it's pronounced. It's G-R-U-I-T. And this gruit beer contained a mixture of many different plant compounds, particularly yarrow, bog myrtle, marsh rosemary, and many other herbs. And one of the fascinating things about this beer, this gruit, was they were known to be uh, very stimulating, both sexually and mentally. And see, hops, on the other hand, is known to be a sedative, which dulls your sex drive and suppresses you mentally. And also, in fact, some of these old beers were known as or called berserker beers. And they were so stimulating that warriors would drink these beers before either having sex or going to war. So I don't know about you, but that definitely sounds like a good time to me and something I, I definitely want to drink. And so that, that kind of leads into the next level of the conspiracy so, as I mentioned, now all beer contains hops, and hops is known as an extremely estrogenic substance. So the next level of the conspiracy is beer has been promoted as a manly drink, right? We all, we all know this. Every country song out there is about cold beer on a Saturday night with your girl, or, you know, watch football, drink some beer, hang out with your buddies, drink some beer. And so it's very interesting that a drink that is pushed by society as a manly drink is a drink that contains high levels of estrogen compounds. And like I mentioned, men's testosterone levels have been on a decline for over 20 years, which means that the average 30-year-old today has less testosterone in his system than the average 30-year-old did from 20 years ago. And, you know, there's a whole host of reasons why this is. Some of it is pollution, bad food, obesity, our sedentary lifestyle, the lack of sunshine, and the effects of low testosterone are, are wreaking havoc on men. And so some of the effects of low testosterone is low sex drive, fatigue, reduced muscle mass, irritability, erectile dysfunction, and depression. And so I want you to think about all those things, right? Men have been, are extremely tired. They're always tired. Muscle mass is almost Gone. I mean, just take a look around. If you think low T is not a real thing, just take a look around at everybody. Erectile dysfunction, products like Viagra and Blue Chew and any of these um, medications are, are, are being consumed at an extremely high level and depression, right? We know that, one, our society is suffering from mental depression. It's already an epidemic, but for men, it's even worse as more men commit suicide than, than women do. And so, you know, it's obviously there's a lot going on here with the effects of low testosterone and it's a complicated issue, but there definitely seems to be 
something to an, an agenda that that if you if the few wanted to control the many, right? I've talked about this before. One of the ways you would do that is to keep your population weak, depressed, sedated, and numb. And that kind of leads into the next part of the conspiracy. And that is the promotion of alcohol in general, right? This is one of the reasons I don't drink a whole lot of alcohol. Because alcohol might be the worst substance slash drug out there. And, and we, we know this. Just, again, take a look around. Alcohol is a depressant and a suppressant. It doesn't expand your mind and it doesn't expand your mind or make you question authority. In fact, it does the complete opposite. It just turns everything off and makes you forget about your problems, makes you forget about what's going on and just become a mindless, numb, numb consumer. And, you know, think about the opposite of that. Think about the drugs that are considered Schedule One. So I don't know if you know about this, but the government has classified drugs in in different schedules. And Schedule One, according to our government, is the worst form of drug out there, meaning that these drugs are highly addictive and have no medicinal benefit whatsoever. And so some of the drugs, which I'm not a big fan of the word drugs, but We'll just use that. We'll go with that. On that are considered Schedule 1 are cannabis, ayahuasca, and mushrooms. Now, those of you that have listened to this podcast know that I'm a big fan of plant medicines. In fact, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going very deep on these things, and these things have been instrumental in my journey and helping me become who I am. Also, almost everyone knows, unless you've kind of been living under a, a rock, that cannabis, ayahuasca, and mushroom are, in fact, do have medicinal benefits. And yes, just like any substance, these things can be abused, and they're not perfect, but they are definitely medicines. And in the right setting, these things have proven track records of helping people become better. Yet the government considers these substances enemy number one. On the flip side, alcohol is promoted and encouraged, right? You can kind of drink as much as you want. No one cares. People laugh about it and joke about how much they drink every night. But you you tell someone you do an ayahuasca weekend and they look at you like you're a crazy person. And I feel like this could be a whole podcast episode on to itself, but I feel like this is kind of proof. Like if you ever needed proof that there is some sort of conspiracy theory about substances, it's the scheduling one. It's the classification of drugs. It's which drugs are shunned by our government and which drugs are promoted. And so kind of in summary of this part, the drugs that are promoted are the ones that suppress you and numb you, and the ones that are demonized by our government and made illegal are the ones that open your mind, expand your consciousness, make you question authority. And so 
very fascinating stuff. So this kind of brings me back. Let's get back to the <clears throat> purity law. So before the purity law was enacted, and I don't know if I said it was the German purity law was enacted in 1516. And so before that was enacted, these beers were more of an alchemical plant concoction. They were more of like a health drink, almost like a kombucha type beverage that had benefits of natural fermentation and fueled by the power of plants. And like I just mentioned, that plant medicine, my journey into the plant medicine world has opened my eyes to the healing and enhancing power of plants and herbs. Like I had no idea how powerful plants can be. That even plants in your yard like dandelion, self-heal, I don't know, I'm thinking off the top of my head, but we are surrounded by, there's there's pine pollen, there's cedar, there's Oregon grape, lavender, all these plants that are just growing in your yard, in the park, there, we are surrounded by powerful plant medicines. And so like I mentioned, these old time beers were more of a plant concoction a health drink using the power of the plants. And so just like the Schedule 1 classification, is interesting that a beverage that used medicinal plants as its main ingredients was pushed out and has now become shunned in our beer community. And, and trust me, it has been pushed out because I just came across all this information a few days ago. And so this weekend, I wasted like five hours over the weekend trying to find a Gruet beer because I wanted to try it, right? Because even though, like I said, even though alcohol is not my favorite substance of choice, I do think that alcohol does have its benefits if you don't drink too much. And then, of course, you know drinking a beer that makes you either want to go to war or have sex. I'm, I'm all about that action. So, so I looked everywhere. I, I went to multiple stores. I called all the breweries around. I even called international breweries or emailed them because some of these beers that I find would say all the right things the natural fermentation, they talked about old-timey recipes, but they never let on whether they had contained hops or not. So I reached out to a lot of these breweries. And so one of the, one brewery in Canada wrote me back an email, so I want to read this email to you. This is very interesting. It says, Hi, Garrett. Thanks for your email. I reached out to one of our quality team members to get an answer for you. They advised me that All of our beers contain hops, and in Canada, the definition of beer is that they must contain hops to be called beer. So there are, or should be, no beer products available in Canada that do not contain hops. And, you know, this is kind of the standard answer I got from everybody, even even breweries here in the U.S. And one brewery here in Seattle even got defensive and said, why are you asking this? So, you know, I've, I've learned that, you know, these hipster microbrew guys 
are not anti-establishment like they think they are. They are the establishment, right? So um, I guess this has all been fascinating. And so now I am on a mission to brew what some people call berserker beer, right? With the goal of either making love or starting a war. See you on the other side.